NASCAR, IndyCar, and all things motorsports. It's time for the left turn here on X106.7. Now, here's your hosts, Jacob Blair and Trevor Mayer. Welcome into the left turn. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mater with you. Is got some more racing to talk about today. And Trevor, it was a good day yesterday, Sunday. We were actually able to go out there to Kansas Speedway and take that one in ourselves. Yeah, it was fun. I, if you can't tell, I got a little sunburned from being out in the sun all day. But a, a great event. It was my first ever time at a cup race and uh, really a, a cool experience that I, I look forward to doing again. It was a very... Unlike the Xfinity race, which we'll get to a little bit later, it's a very calm race. Yes, uh, there, there was only four cautions or three cautions all day long, and two of them were four stage cautions. One was uh, for what, William Byron exploding a motor down the back straight away, and it wasn't a boring race. I mean, it, it wasn't the, it wasn't the most entertaining race in the world, but there were good battles throughout the field. It was just different drivers dominated at different points in the race, but it wasn't by any means a boring race, and the finish got much more exciting than I thought it would be with about 30 to go. Well, by no means did anyone really ever end up running away with it. No. It was always within about two or three seconds was the most we saw the leader get out in front, and there were only two or three cars that could keep up with them. Even on the last, it was 101 laps to end the race under green, even that section there, you, you ended up with... You know, three guys that you thought with 10 laps to go, this might be a three-car race to, to end, the, end the Hollywood Casino 400. Yeah, Chase Elliott, he uh, inherited a rather large lead with about 45 laps to go. Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, they had been battling for third and fourth for a long time, but when Elliott moved up to first, they moved up second and third. And it looked like Bush and Larson's cars kind of came to them later in that stage, and with about 10 laps to go, Kyle Busch was only a couple car lengths behind Chase Elliott, and I remember you and I saying, well, he might catch him. And then Larson really got going, but uh, unfortunately they ran out of laps. Chase Elliott ran a perfect lap with about six or seven to go to put some distance between him and Kyle Busch. And we kept kind of waiting for a caution to come out because we've seen that so much in these playoff races where late in the race you get a caution. That wasn't the case Sunday, and Chase Elliott was able to hold on. Yeah, so it was Chase Elliott that picked up his second win uh, of the round of 12, which for him really makes the round of eight more interesting because he's now got five more or ten total more playoff points after winning at Dover heading into this round. So Chase Elliott now, and he looked like he might have had the fastest car all but stage one. They worked on it a little bit in stage one. I think he ended up running running like ninth or tenth in stage one, and then he charged through the field in stage two. It had a really fast car to start stage three. I remember... Uh, early on in stage three, when Kevin Harvick was leading, you had Ryan Blaney second. I think Elliott might have started that stage in third or fourth. And you looked at me and you said, Chase Elliott's got the fastest car right now. And it showed as he ends up picking up the win. Yeah, but, but talking about the, the different stages, stage one was dominated by Joey yeah. Logano. It didn't look like there was really anything anyone could do to, to slow down that 22 car. He ended up leading 100 laps of the race. The thing was, that was really... 100 of the first 110 laps that he led, well, and that 22 car faded late. Yeah, he dominated the first stage, ends up winning stage one. Dominated the the first half of stage two. Ryan Blaney uh, led the first eight laps of stage two, and then Logano eventually took the lead. When it came through to cycle for pit stops, however, had a little bit of trouble on pit road. I didn't catch what it was for sure, but a little bit slower pit stop actually came out behind Kevin Harvick on that pit stop and Ryan Blaney as well. And that allowed Harvey to take stage two. And then after that, Logano's car just faded quickly. And he ends up finishing in the eighth spot. But not the run I think they were probably thinking they had 100 laps into the race. The 
pulse hitter. It looked like it was just going to be Joey Logano yes. and everyone else, but like we see a lot of times with NASCAR racing, it's a 267-lap race. You're better off being there the last 60 than the first 100, and that was the case with Joey Logano. And then when Logano started fading, that's when Kevin Harvick, his domination of the race started. He ended up leading 76 laps in this in one race. One stage two. One stage two, and, and looked like he was. it looked like it was going to be a battle between him and Chase Elliott to end that race. He's leading. You get to the final round of pit stops, about 55 laps to go. And Kevin Harvick, we see either him or his team do this a lot. They make a mistake on pit road. Kevin Harvick, he's the one that makes the mistake, gets busted for speeding, and that hands the lead over to Chase Elliott. Yeah, like you said, Harvick's, this is just a problem they've had a lot, and that would be a concern of mine for them come homestead if they get there. Is you think back to two weeks ago in Dover, he dominated that entire race, had it in the bag. They had a valve stem issue on pit road when it came to, to changing a tire. He ends up, that ends his chance of winning. Who wins the race? Chase Elliott. Go back to Atlanta last year. I can't remember if it was a speed. I think it was a speeding after he dominated the entire race. Got caught speeding with about 15 laps to go. Hands went over to Brad Keselowski. And I, I thought when Harvick took the lead at the beginning of stage three, I thought it was over. I honestly did. I thought, okay, Kevin Harvick's going to run, run away with it. Chase Elliott's going to get a nice second place finish. Larson and Bush will battle it out for third. But uh, unfortunately, Kevin Harvick bit by bad luck again and ends up Finishing 12th. Never, and he almost went a lap down, too. I thought maybe he'd be someone that could maybe get up inside that top 10 still. But, no, he, he just didn't have anything after that penalty. It totally killed his day. Yeah, 13 cars were all that were left on the lead lap at the end of that race. But one thing we haven't mentioned yet is this was a playoff yes. cutoff race for the round of 12. So eight drivers are still there. And you know, we were looking at points. And Ryan Blaney in the 12 car was doing everything he needed to do. He ends up gaining eight points in both the first and second stage on Martin Truex Jr. Any little lap. So there's another another bonus point right there. So they end up, he ends up, was started the day 22 down. He ends up six down heading into the final stage to Martin Truex Jr. Well, then there was the, the issue with Kurt Busch, who was not having a good day whatsoever. So you had, going into stage three, Martin Truex Jr. in a lot of trouble. He was and live scoring was outside the play. It was inside the playoffs. Ryan Blaney was inside, and it was Kurt, Kurt Busch that well, was the one that was sitting outside. And I think going into the final stage of everyone, because they had the video boards all across the, across the track from where we were sitting, I think Quint Boyer was plus five or six, Truex was plus five, Blaney was plus two, and Kurt Busch was minus two. So you had four drivers separated by eight points for one spot. And uh, then Ryan Blaney didn't have the stage that he needed in stage three. It looked like he was he, he was one of the first cars in stage three to go to the, the true top side of the racetrack. Is stage one and two, drivers would wait twenty or twenty five laps and then really get to right next to the wall. But even then they would play conservative, they would stay off the wall. Ryan Blaney, early on in stage three, knowing the point situation, he went up top really early and went higher than really anyone else has gone. And finally, it bit him. He got into the wall once, and when that happened, it looks like looked like that car just lost a touch of speed, and it, it forced him to, to drop down the standings and eventually kept Ryan Blaney out of moving on to the round of eight. Yeah, he had one of the top three cars, I think, all day um, throughout the whole, the whole race, and he ends up finishing in seventh. Uh, Martin Truex Jr., on the other hand, did not have a, a great car all day. Um, didn't didn't get any stage points. I think he finished 11th in one stage, 14th in the other, and was kind of a 10th to 15th place car all day long. 
And then he comes home with a fifth place finish and saves his day. I mean, that's that's probably the most impressive run that I think Martin Truex Jr. has had all year, that he turned what looked like it was going to be a day that could keep him out of the playoffs into a day that kept him in the playoffs. On both stage and one, you could sit there and watch him physically lose speed. You yeah. could tell. Paul Menard was, was passing him. Yeah, well, we'll get to Paul <laughs> Menard here in a minute. Uh, oh, Paul Menard. Uh, yeah, I, but, yeah. but Martin Truex Jr., he just – the, the, he would start a stage around seventh place. He he maybe would get up to sixth or fifth, and then about lap fifteen of a run, he'd just start going backwards quickly. And uh, he rallied for a tenth place finish in stage number two. Was outside the points in stage number one. It did not look like he had a car that was going to be capable of a top five finish. They put together a good pit stop. Clearly made a good adjustment, and Martin Truex ends up with a top five run. Was running fourth most of stage. Uh, stage three for the end of the race and eric jones got him for that fourth position with just about 10 laps to go yeah so he's able to salvage that keeps his championship hopes alive um i didn't know what to expect from this team because a lot of times when teams announce mid-season that they're they're seizing operations the second half of the season doesn't end well for them but uh he did what he had to do to move on now the round of eight is going to be a little bit more trickier these are tracks that he doesn't necessarily run the greatest at with martinsville Texas and Phoenix. I think this was his best round as far as the tracks that he runs good at with Dover, Talladega, and Kansas. Now we're getting to tracks that he struggles a little bit more at, so we'll see what he can do. And one of the interesting things is early on in the day, it was all Fords up front. I think at one point there was the top eight were all Fords, and one of those Fords was one of those outside the playoffs, and we were looking around going, there's some drivers running well right now that may play spoiler in one of this one, and that was we, we mentioned him a little bit earlier. That was Paul Menard. He was going places <laughs> Early in this race, it looked like he had a really fast, bright yellow 21 car. And then in, in a Paul Menard-type way, ends his day on pit road. Yeah, he was passing cars left. And I think he started one restart in ninth and got up inside the top five. I don't remember where he finished in stage one. Did he finish sixth, I think? He, he was right he, up, up there. I think he finished sixth, yeah. And then he, he had a good pit stop, started right back up there. Then later on, there was an incident on pit road with him and Trevor Bain that uh, kind of messed up it messed up both of their days. I mean, it totally messed up the front end of Menard's car. The, the damage to Trevor Baines didn't look like it was cosmetic, but Bain pitted probably four or five times throughout the day that really kind of dampered whatever run he was going to have. But uh, Paul Menard just, I don't even know what else to say about Paul Menard. Um, just a, not, a, not a good day for him after looking like it was maybe going to be a Interesting day for Paul Menard. I saw Paul Menard yesterday, actually, at a Q&A thing as well. So Trevor Bain ended up 30th. Paul Menard ended up 32nd. Both cars looked like they had a little bit more speed in them than where they ended up finishing. But one thing that really intrigued me in this race is stage one and stage two, it was all about the Fords. You you were sure a Ford was going to win the race, and you end up looking at where this race ends up. You've got a Chevy that wins the race, Toyota finishes second, Chevy third, and then Toyota, Toyota fourth, fourth and fifth. fifth. You get back to sixth before you have one of the Fords, and it's a Brad Keselowski that gets that sixth-place spot, one of the Fords we really didn't talk about all day. Yeah, so you look at stage one, Logano, Harvick, Blaney, Bush, Menard, Almarola, Boyer, Jones, Johnson, and Elliott. So you have, I count, five Fords in the top ten, including four in the top five. Menard finished fifth in stage you have six. You have six total. Stage two: Harvick a Ford, Blaney a Ford, Logano a Ford, and then really from there, Chevy's kind of found some speed in stage two. But Ford's early on just dominated. Eric Almarola was plagued 
by a pit road penalty. I believe it was an uncontrolled tire, if I remember correctly, in stage two during a green flag pit stop that kind of dampered his day. He did rally back to finish 10th, but he had a fast car. Clint Boyer, just kind of a quiet day for him, ends up taking home 13th. And then Brad Kozlowski didn't really have a lot of speed throughout the day. He led some laps, but that was during the pit cycles. He didn't really have a car that was contending for the win. He was just trying to do something because yes. he was on the outside looking in, does not have the car that was putting up stage points. He was trying to do he something. Was trying to, to do something different. He needed some cautions to fall right, and as and we then, saw it, and we saw Truex do that early on too. Truex was, I know, the first two green flag cycles was he, the he first guy to hit pit. Was the first guy to hit pit road, hoping maybe they get some cautions. But uh, Kozlowski takes home a sixth-place finish, but unfortunately for him, it wasn't enough. And so if you look at the playoff standings, it was Ryan Blaney, Brad Keselowski, Alex Bowman, and Kyle Larson that ended up being eliminated. Alex Bowman came into the day knowing it was going to be a must-win situation. Early on, it looked like he might have a car to, to have something to do something with to go get a win. Stage one looked really fast, and then I just think he pushed his stuff too early. He and, also hit the wall like hit the five wall. times. Yeah, he looked good until he hit the wall, and then unfortunately for Alex Bowman, that ended his day. The one interesting one is Kyle Larson had to start from the rear, had to go to a backup car after pra- wrecking in practice, and then Larson methodically in a kind of non-Kyle Larson way, just methodically worked his way through the field. We expected him to go high side of the racetrack, turn one lap one, pass about 12 cars, and get inside the top 15 in 10 laps. He didn't do that. He he took his time. He worked the bottom. He worked the middle. And by the end of stage three, he's sitting there in third, and as Chase Elliott's car looks like it's going away, Kyle Busch is catching Chase Elliott. Kyle Larson is then catching Kyle Busch, and you're sitting there going, this could get wild here with these five laps to go. Kyle Larson's in a must-win situation. What is he going to try to do to get this win? Unfortunately, it didn't come to that, but Kyle Larson had a shot to make, to, to spoil someone's day late in this race. Yeah, he needed a, a caution is what he, I think a caution, and you, Kyle Larson, we saw what he did on the final lap with Kyle Busch battling for a second. I think Kyle Larson, knowing that he had to win the race, might have got a little crazy on a restart. And I think Kyle Larson would have either won the race or he would have junked the top three and Eric Jones would have won the race, something like that. But uh, he just ran out of laps is really what it was. I mean, a great run by – he probably had the best race of the day when you look at where he started. And he didn't waste a lot of time getting up. I think he took him about halfway through stage one to crack the top ten. Um, I don't remember where he finished in stage one. But he, he just didn't quite have the car to get the win, though. Like I said, I think he needed a caution. I I think the final run, the final 10 laps, I think he had the quickest car. But I think one thing we saw is we could see, you know, Chase Elliott in stage two or early in stage three was able to run down Kevin Harvick to about five, six car lengths, could never really get any closer. Kyle Busch did the same thing in the race. Mm -hmm. He was able to catch up to Chase Elliott, get about five car lengths back, and stayed there. Kyle Larson, the same thing. He got about five car lengths back from Kyle Busch and then stayed there. And I think what was happening is with the way the, the aero package is, you're running the top side, so you're you're inherently going to be a little bit tight up there. You're going to work the right front, and then you lose that air. You're just going to get tighter, and as the tires wear, the cars behind other cars get too tight. So I think the, the win, Chase Elliott, was able to just stay consistent up there. And one thing that I, I noticed about Chase Elliott is everyone was right next to the wall. 
Chase Elliott never got there. He stayed on the bottom longer than everyone else, and even when he did go to the top, he left about a, lane, a half of a lane before the wall, and that just helped save some stuff on his car where when he really needed it that last six laps, he was able to drive back away from Kyle Busch. And that's just been kind of – that's how Chase Elliott races. I can't think of any track where he really rides the wall at, um, whereas a guy like Kyle Larson, that's where he prefers. Um, but Chase Elliott – I'm not gonna lie. I didn't think of him as a guy that was gonna win the race when we started. Um, you know, we talked. You know, we thought Stuart Hoskars would be fast. Anytime you're at Kansas, you got to throw in Boyer, um, Truex, Kozlowski, Logano, Blaney, Larson. I mean, that was kind of. I thought it'd be one of those six or seven guys. And Chase Elliott came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, these Chevy cars have found some speed late in the season. And then that takes us to the current point standings as we head to the round of eight, and it is going to be really interesting where these sit right now. You don't happen to still have your playoff predictions on hand, do you? Uh, I know that my champion is already gone. Yeah, I so know is your mine. champion is gone as well. And yeah. I know the other three that we chose are all still left. But right now, Kyle Busch is going to start the round as the first, or the number one overall seed, 40 above the cut line. Kevin Harvick's going to start 39. Martin Truex will start 23. This is where it gets interesting. Chase Elliott will start three above the cut line. Clint Boyer, Joey Logano, Kurt Busch will all start three below the cut line. Eric Almarola will start 12 below the cut line. When you look at that fourth through seventh spot, it is going to be wild figuring out who's going to make this race. We've seen Martin Truex struggle a little bit. Kevin Harvick hasn't been perfect. None of these guys are safe. This could be the wildest round we've seen so far. Yeah, no, like none of these guys are safe at all because the difference right now, the cut line, even Kyle Busch is from Kyle Busch to that four-way tie is only 39 points we've seen late in the year at times Kyle tends to have a race where he just things don't go his way normally it's at Texas Um, that's very much a possibility Uh, Kevin Harvick same thing Um, I think those guys are probably safe but then Martin Truex Jr. has not been safe is not safe at all I don't think because take away what he did at Kansas without the playoff points he's not in the round of eight I think Chase Elliott I think Chase Elliott's in the best position of these guys right now because he's got some momentum. Um, he's got three wins on the year. He's got two in the last three races. And we're going into three tracks that, even though his average finish at Martinsville isn't that great, he probably should have won the race last year before Denny Hamlin took him out. And he runs really well at Texas, and he runs really well at Phoenix. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be really interesting. Is is We really thought that it was going to be a Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., and then someone else. And right now, it still looks like it could end up being that. You're a little bit concerned about Truex. But the big thing is there's – you can throw anyone in there for that fourth spot, but right now it looks like Chase Elliott's got the speed to play spoiler there in that fourth spot. The other interesting thing is five Fords left in the round of eight, all four Stuart Haas cars in the round of eight. You've got one Toyota – or two Toyotas and then one Chevrolet. So this – it could end up being, and this is not out of the realm of possibility, that all the, the Stuart Haas Fords end up going to Homestead. Yeah, I'd like to point out, too, I, I did find my picks. And of the round of eight, I got four of them right. I had Kyle, here's my round. I had Kyle Busch, Martin Truex, Kevin Harvick, and Joey Logano. Those guys are all in. I also had Kyle Larson, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney. I don't know what I was thinking, but I also had Denny Hamlin. So, actually, I looked pretty good until the round of 12 but yeah that's this has been a weird playoff 
Um, I, I don't. I don't, You said yesterday that you think all four Stewart Haas cars could make the. They have the opportunity to. They have the speed. It wouldn't to. overly surprise me. I think Kurt Busch is probably the, the the lone one that could miss out. I could see a situation though where it's Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Eric Almirola, and Clint Boyer. Um, or maybe it's a situation where, you know, it's two of those guys and then Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott. Let's just put it this way. I, you can really go with any combination of four, and it's not out of the realm of possibility. No. With the way that the, the big three have been running, they're not that big three anymore. We can almost just throw that name that was given to the midway through the season out because that's not what they've been doing here in the playoffs. This is truly a everyone that's left in this round of eight. You're not looking at someone going, you know what, they kind of snuck into the round of eight. We really don't have to worry about them. All eight of these guys have an opportunity because someone's going to point their way in. Eric Almarola, he's put together the finishes. I don't know if he's going to go up and win a race, but Eric Almarola could definitely point his way in to the the final four. Chase Elliott, I mean, has been really consistent since Watkins, since he got the win at Watkins Glen. And it's funny because we talked about at the beginning of the year, and we've said this for a long time, and most people in the NASCAR circles have. Once Chase Elliott gets a win, we're like, he's going to start peeling them off. He's gone three for 11. He's, yeah, he's won three in his last 11 after it took him 60-some, 70-some starts to get, almost 100 starts to get his first win. Yeah, so we will go ahead and take a quick break here on the left turn. When we get back, we'll talk about the Xfinity Series, and if you thought the excitement was lacking a little bit in the Cup race, it definitely was not in the Xfinity race at Kansas. Justin Allgaier, Cole Custer, Austin Sindrick involved in a massive pileup, lap one, turn one of the Kansas Lottery 300. Yeah, it um, ended up being really interesting from the get-go. Um, they go into turn one, Justin Allgaier on the inside. Car got a little loose from him. It was really windy. I don't know that that had much to do with it, but I know they were talking about the NBC broadcast. Car slides out from behind him, and Chris Bell, who we thought maybe would be one of the favorites to to win that race finds himself in the garage after lap one, and that just kind of set the tone for the day, so to speak. It was a wild one, and just starting with because it was lap one, that, that wreck is we've seen this. We were expecting some of this in the cup race Sunday. Didn't see any of it, but Kansas Speedway, it's one of the most difficult tracks on the circuit Due to the way it's configured, it's definitely probably the toughest mile and a half because coming off both corners, it tightens up really mm -hmm. a lot. You can really roll through the center of the corners at Kansas Speedway, but then you've got to be careful on exit. And then when you've got the start, cold tires. It was much colder on Saturday for the Xfinity race, much windier. Justin Allgaard, he's got Christopher Bell right down on his side, gets the air put taken off of his spoiler, and he slides into Christopher Bell, and then on a start of a race, that's going to collect a lot of other guys. But Austin Sindrick had nowhere to go. Cole Custer had nowhere to go. He also collected Michael Annette, Spencer, uh, Spencer Gallagher. Gallagher. Chase Briscoe was also involved yeah. in that one. But uh, Ryan Truex was kind of in as well, um, as was Ross Chastain. Just really nowhere for those guys to go. And it ended uh, it, it ended Sindrick's day, it ended Allgaier's day, and it ended Christopher Bell's day. Cole Custer was able to get that car back out there. It didn't look pretty. It didn't run pretty. It didn't have power steering at all throughout the day. Um, they ended up actually sand using like a, it's like a sandpaper grip type thing for a steering wheel to where you could get better grip on it. Was able to salvage a, a 26th place finish. So 
not the worst day in the world, but definitely not what they were hoping for. Yeah, Cole Custer was able to complete 181 laps, and to do that all pretty much without power steering, I cannot imagine what his arms felt yeah. like at the end of that one. I doubt he works out this week. I don't don't think he needs to after that. But I mean, he gave it his all to to try to get that car out there and um, dr- drove as hard as he could and. You know, he's still on the outside looking in, but that could be one of those things that if he ends up making the championship four, they look back on as a victory. You look at where he would have finished if they you know, parked it for the day and said this isn't worth it. He would have finished. It would have been out on the same lap. Maybe he goes out and, and jumps a Christopher Bell and a Justin Allgaier, so he finishes in the 36th position. That's, he finishes 26th in this race. That's 10 points right there you're going to get that, that are going to help you later in this round, especially when now – when those four guys have issues, those were four of the faster cars. We know Austin Sendrick's in that 22 car, so you've kind of got to throw them in there to possibly making the round of four. But Allgaier, Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, three guys we both have in the final four at Homestead. They have issues, and that really opens up the door for everyone else, Daniel Hemrick, Elliot Sadler, Tyler Reddick, and Matt Tift. Yeah, because you look at the standings right now, uh, Daniel Hemrick on points, he's 23 points ahead of, of the cutoff with two races to go. So he's sitting pretty well. Um, still, you, and as consistent as he is, barring an accident, he's probably in, but you'd still like to be able to get that win. Elliot Sadler is one that I, I have not been impressed with this year. He's just kind of been there. But this is last season. He's stepping away at the end of the year, and right now he's 14 to the good. Tyler Reddick won the opening race, and other than that, he's just kind of, again, he's been there. But he's 11 to the good. And then Christopher Bell is just one to the good. However, we do go to a track in two weeks with, at Texas that he does run extremely well at. So this is where this gets really interesting, but then you, you want to continue the points line. Matt Tift, only one back. Justin Allgaier, five back. Then, then you get to Cole Custer, 23 back, and that's where he's, he's going to be able to have an opportunity to point his way in, but he's now really got to think about trying to get a win because you, you've got Christopher Bell and Allgaier. Allgaier's probably going to be able to go get one of those spots, but this is taken because Kansas, we're like, okay, it's going to be Justin Allgaier or Christopher Bell that gets this win. Probably Christopher Bell. Everything's going to go to plan. And, you know, guys like Hemrick and, and Custer are going to have to point their way in. Now the the whole shift and idea of this round has turned on top of its head. Is Elliot Sadler, Tyler Reddick, like you said, they've been there. But Elliot Sadler finishes third at Kansas. If he can do that again at Texas, finish around fifth or sixth, and then go to Phoenix and do the same thing. Good. He's got enough points now that might be enough, especially if you know a, a Matt Tifter and Allgaier or Christopher Bell has another problem. I looking at the way Allgaier's ran. I don't know that he makes it out of the round of eight. Fe- I think Phoenix is the track he can do it out. He always runs really well at Phoenix. He um, has wins there before. Finished second there earlier in the year. But looking at Allgaier's season statistics, starting at Michigan, which was race thirteen, up until the cutoff race for Las Vegas did not have a finish worse than ninth and also had four wins and two second place finishes since the cutoff race. Now that's only four races, but since the cutoff race, 32nd, 15th, third and 38th, this team has struggled down the stretch and I think they're in legit trouble. And it's been not necessarily bad cars. He's just 
getting bad in luck. wrecks, bad luck, stuff like that. But getting back to the Kansas Speedway race, that was lap one where all of this went down. It didn't take until lap one of the next restart to see the next problem. That was a really odd incident was, with Brandon Jones. Yeah, Brandon Jones, that was really weird because he started, I, I want to say, outside second row behind Hamrick. Got a really good run. Got to the outside of Daniel. I believe it was Daniel Hamrick. Got to the outside of Daniel Hamrick. You thought maybe Hemrick slid up into him or something just a little bit, but when they showed the TV replays, Jones was trying to side draft, which we see a lot at Ken Speedway when you're on the top side, and the car literally just came out from underneath him and hit the wall. They thought maybe he cut a tire, um, but no, he the car just got really loose, and he smacked the wall hard and ended his day. And I've been driving down the highway before and I've gotten yeah. a wind gust that moves me a couple feet in my lane and there's nothing I can do about it. I'm almost wondering, is it, he cut the car too hard to go to the side draft and when he cut back to get away from Hemrick after slowing Hemrick's momentum, he caught a wind gust. And All it, was, of that combined, it was very windy Saturday. I wasn't there, but I was you know, outside here. It was very windy. And uh, they were talking about on the TV broadcast how windy it was. So and I think just circumstances caught a wind gust right when he was turning that race car. There was also speedy dry all over the racetrack yep. from the last incident. All of that combined, the car just hooked into the wall. And Tyler Reddick, another playoff driver, got really lucky when he had to avoid that incident and then flew to the apron, flew back onto the racetrack. A lot of times when you see that happen, they're not able to get the car low down enough to keep it out of the wall. He keeps it out of the wall and then is able to go on to finish fifth. Yeah, he's able to salvage a good day and keeps his championship hopes alive. But uh, just a really weird accident. And Spencer Gallagher, who got caught up in an earlier accident on lap one, he again got caught up in a wreck that ended his day. And then Ryan Priest, who ran really well throughout most of the day, had probably a top five car. Um, I think he cut a tire, if I remember correctly, and got into an accident, took out a couple cars with him as well. In that accident, ended his day finishing way back there in the 21st position, 12 laps down. So just kind of a wild day, unlike the cup race. And all these issues really set up a really good race between John Hunter Nemechek and Daniel Hemrick. Daniel Hemrick won stage one. John Hunter Nemechek wins stage two. Hemrick leads 128 laps. John Hunter Nemechek wins 64, but John Hunter Nemechek wins the battle at the end of the race, and he wins the race steals a bid into the final four for any of the playoff drivers so now we know two drivers will at least two drivers will point their way in to the round of four but at this point again we brought this up we brought this up with larson and elliott in the cup series but is daniel hemrick ever going to win a race and he's only got now four races left or three races left in the, in the xfinity series to get one before he jumps up to the cut ser- cup series i don't know man i mean I thought he had it in the bag. John Hunter Nemechek was trying to lose that race on Saturday. I mean, just about everything that could go wrong for that 42 team throughout the day did. They had an incident late in the race uh, under green flag pit stops where he overshot his pit stall a little bit, um, had to roll back. And then I believe also they had late in the race when he had a caution. So everyone comes in for that final pit stop. He had a loose lug knot, had to come back in and re-enter. Luckily for him, since there were only about five, six cars on the lead lap and there were so many wave around cars, he restarted that final restart back in the sixth spot. Ends up getting that high side working in, gets around Daniel Hemrick for the race win. But uh, Daniel Hemrick, that's one that you got to think of all the races he's lost. Maybe that's the one that he is the most, I don't want to say disgusted, but the most distraught about because he, I thought he had that race in the bag. And maybe that is some motivation he can take to, to try to go win one of these final three races. And just one of the interesting things about this race, eight cars on the lead lap. 
That's all that was left at the end of this race. Two cars, one lap down. One car, two laps down. I mean, 15th place in this one, Joey Gase in the 35 car. Five laps down. So the carnage in this race, a lot of Pretty guys bad. ended up you know, with good finishes. And a lot, it's not often you hear about 15th place being five laps down. No, um, and Gase was caught up in that accident with Spencer Gallagher. But, uh, yeah, it was just a, a wild, wild day in Kansas. And like you said, John Hernemichek, him winning was a good thing for Christopher Bell, for Justin Allgaier. I think particularly Allgaier because it meant Daniel Hemrick didn't win. It meant Matt Tiff didn't win. It meant Tyler Reddick didn't win. Although Reddick had a fast car. I think a, I think a late race restart could have maybe made things really interesting for Tyler Reddick and Elliot Sadler as well. But uh, John Hunter Nemechek gets his first win, and that was definitely cool to see. So John Hunter Nemechek wins the Kansas Lottery 300, and the Xfinity Series will be off next week as the NASCAR circuit heads to Martinsville, and they'll be back to finish out the round of eight for them, and everyone will get on the same schedule for the final three races. The trucks, the Xfinity Series, and the Cup Series will all be at Texas, Phoenix, and Homestead at the same time, so everyone's going to get lined up. It's going to get a little bit less confusing. But again, Xfinity Series off next weekend. So we'll go ahead and take another. I wish they'd go to Martinsville. That, that would be a great race, but I think they'd keep that for the trucks as, as they put together some interesting races there. We'll go ahead and take a quick break here on the left turn. When we get back, we'll quickly look at some news and notes from the IndyCar offseason. Welcome back into the left turn. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mader with you. And we'll now leave the NASCAR world for just a few minutes and head to the IndyCar world as a little bit of news and notes from the offseason happened today and the last week or so. And the first one uh, is we, we've mentioned some stuff that's happened throughout the IndyCar season, but the most recent news is Ed Jones. He lost his ride at Ganassi. Well, he quickly was able to pick up another one at Ed Carpenter Racing. Yeah, Ed Jones had been at Chip Ganassi Racing for the last couple of years. He um, has been replaced by Felix Rosenfist. Um, did I say that right? It, it, yeah. Okay. I thought I, I just wanted to say that. Oh um, man, now he's put the the special flair on Rosenfist. it too. <laughs> yeah, you got to tell you, you got to do it. Um, so he's gonna go to Ed Carpenter Racing now, just a part time schedule. Um, Ed Carpenter, the owner of that team, obviously, he's still gonna run the ovals, but Ed Jones is gonna get to run the road courses, from what I understand. And I believe they're also going to field an entry for him for the Indy 500 is what it looks like. So it's, it's the same deal that's been with the 20 car at Ed Carpenter Racing for a long time. The 21 car has always been for one driver to go full-time, go for the championship, things like that. The 20 car has been for Ed Carpenter to have his fun at the ovals. He, he loves the ovals. That's the only race he runs. And then someone else gets to drive the rest of the races. And that's the deal that Ed Jones gets this year in that 20 car. So it'll be on all the, the street courses, all the permanent road courses. And then unfortunately for him, he's either going to have to find a ride maybe with a, a Dale Coyne racing if he wants to go for the championship for those oval races because uh, we've seen Dale Coyne do stuff like that in the past. But he does get an Indy 500 ride with Ed Carpenter Racing. I think they said it's going to be the 67 yep, car. 64 is 64 what was listed on here, but that could be wrong. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of the – the big IndyCar silly season news of the last couple weeks. I know a couple weeks ago we talked about Rosengvist moving up as well as Colton Herta and Pat Award. But, uh, yeah, there's still the IndyCar season. We still have like four and a half months to discuss offseason stuff. So 
just got to keep updated with yeah. what's going on. One of the big rumors for the IndyCar offseason was surrounding Fernando Alonso. What would he end up doing as he's retiring from Formula One racing? And the news dropped today as he kind of confirmed some stuff up. He will not be running full-time in the IndyCar series. He's ruling that out, but he's not ruling out the Indy 500. He's interested in coming back to that race. So we may still see Fernando Alonso in an, Indy, in an IndyCar in Indianapolis come May 2019. I want to see him run Daytona. That's what I want. Do it. There's, there's, uh, I think Lewis Hamilton, Formula One-wise, has said he, he would not rule that out when he's done Formula One racing. Yeah, I could see it. And he's had sponsorship and stuff from Mobile One and stuff in the past, so maybe they could make something happen. Um, Kimi Raikkonen did some NASCAR stuff way back in the day with uh, Robbie Gordon racing, I think Joe Nemechek. And we've seen guys um, that have had open-wheel experience, like Juan Pablo Montoya, A.J. Allmendinger, Scott Speed. Those guys come into the NASCAR level, so... Hey, why not? It's not a whole lot to talk about IndyCar-wise, but we'll stick with open wheel here for a minute, and we haven't really talked about any Formula One racing here. But uh, they were in the United States for the U.S. Grand Prix down at Coda in Austin, Texas, and it was Kimi Raikkonen that picked up the win. Max Verstappen finished second, Lewis Hamilton third. So it was a solid Grand Prix. Formula One racing kind of works a little bit differently. It's a lot of strategy. You know, the, there's a lot of constructor stuff going on, but Kimi Raikkonen with the win. It was a solid Grand Prix for the United States. Yeah, Raikkonen led 39 laps. Lewis Hamilton led the other 17 laps. And Lewis Hamilton right now, he is sitting good with just three races left on the circuit. He's got a 70-point lead over Sebastian Vettel. Just three races remaining. They go to Mexico City next week. Then they have a week off, and they go to Interlagos for the Heineken Grand Prix of Brazil. And then the, right around Thanksgiving, they will end in Abu Dhabi for that Grand Prix. And the Formula One has a really weird point system where only the top 10 get points, and it goes first place 25, second place 18. Um, I believe third place is 10, and then from so on. Third place is 15, then it goes 12, 10, 8, 6, 4, 2, 1. So not everyone gets points. And we were doing some number crunching before the – well, I was doing some number crunching before the break, and – Right now, all Lewis Hamilton would have to do in one of these last three races is finish seventh or better to clinch the championship, and that's assuming Sebastian Vettel wins out. So he's pretty much got it locked up. Yeah, so it's Kimi Raikkonen that, that sits in the third position, Valtteri Bottas sits fourth, and then Max Verstappen rounds out the top five. But since we haven't really talked about Formula One at all this year, it's been a, a good season from them. But again, Lewis Hamilton, he's kind of been – it's been him and Sebastian Vettel that have been going – back and forth for a long time and Lewis Hamilton really is putting his stamp on the Formula One world throwing in an argument for being one of the, the top Formula One drivers of all time yeah it's going to be kind of hard to argue that um, obviously you got to throw his name up there with the likes of like Michael Schumacher but how many championships would this make for him it would be his fifth, fifth? World I was thinking I couldn't remember if it was four or five but uh, yeah I think that definitely raises the argument for him so that's all we've got from the open wheel world. When we get back, we'll talk about some more fender racing. We'll preview Martinsville, one of the shortest tracks on the NASCAR circuit for this upcoming weekend. Welcome back to the left turn. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mater with you. So now we'll go back to the fender world as we talk about the 
round of eight continuing for both the or starting for the truck series round of eight continuing for the cup series as we head to martinsville we're more than likely we'll see a whole lot of fender crunching this weekend yeah something about drivers with not a lot of experience on a not very big track where you can hit anything in sight tends to mean a lot of fender crunching and i love the truck series race at martinsville because tempers get hot um you throw in playoff implications on the line and it's awesome. So that I'm almost, I almost get more excited for the truck series race, even though I won't watch it because I have other obligations than I will for the cup race. And it's, it's going to be an interesting one. Cause the other thing with the trucks, the truck races, a lot of a young, it's, it's the smallest track on the circuit. So with the way NASCAR works is a lot of the young, new up and coming drivers, they get starts at this race before they turn 18, because with the trucks, you can be 16 or 17 years old and drive on the smaller tracks. So, and the road courses for some reason, I always thought that was a little bit odd, but you, you've got some very inexperienced drivers that are going to be in very fast trucks for this weekend. But then you throw the fact that this race is 50 laps shorter than the spring race. The spring race is 250 laps. This race is only 200 laps. And it is the Texas Roadhouse 200 presented by Alpha Energy Solutions. It'll be Saturday at 12 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. But you look at this race. This is a playoff race. This is the start of the round of six for the truck series. You got four drivers that are going to make their way to Homestead. Johnny Sauter is going to start 28 above the cut line. Brett Moffitt, 13. Noah Gragson, 11. Grant Infinger, 4 above the cut line. And then Justin Haley starts 4 back. Matt Crafton starts 15 back. This is a playoff race for these guys. So you're going to have a lot of new and experienced drivers trying to prove themselves here on, on one of their first or you know early opportunities in NASCAR mixed with guys that are trying to stay safe and move on to the round of four. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I think this is a try. I think this race either Noah Gregson wins or crashes. One of the two. I don't know that there's a happy medium. Although with Noah Gregson, I don't know if there's ever really a happy medium with that. But he runs pretty well here. Won back last year. Um, I don't have the stats right in front of me. I can't think of who won. Um, it was John Hunter Nemechek the one earlier on the year. But uh, I think this is Noah Gregson's best opportunity in the round of eight to round of six for the Truck Series to punch his ticket into the championship form. And coming into the playoffs, you looked at a guy like Justin Haley, and you didn't think he really was going to be a contender. But with the way he's run really throughout the the first round of the playoffs, you've got to think Justin Haley, he won a race, but then he put together two more solid races. He's got the speed, and he's he's good enough now with, with those those final spots. As points-wise, if Johnny Sauter, Brett Moffitt, Noah Gragson take care of business, they're probably going to be okay, even though Moffitt and Gragson are only 13 and 11 above. But Justin Haley, only four back. He's got the, the speed now. He can go compete with Grant Infinger for that fourth spot. And really with Matt Crafton, I haven't seen the speed from him this season to really say he's going to go and steal a spot from anybody. No, I think Justin Haley now is a legit championship contender. Um, picking up the win at Bowmanville, although he may or may not have lucked into it with the contact between Noah Gregson and Todd Gillen. And then he ran really well at Talladega. Had one of the faster cars all day. Comes home with a top five finish. Um, and has been running consistent. Maybe they found something that Johnny Sauter's had all year as well, and there's I think there's a chance you could get two GMS cars into the championship for it. So that would be for the Truck Series. Again, that's Saturday at noon on Fox Sports 1. The Cup Series will also be at Martinsville. So that is the first Data 500. That'll be 1.30 on Sunday. It'll be 500 laps on NBC Sports on the NBC Sports Network. And this one, 
I think we're going to see a much different race than we saw in the spring. The spring race was about the calmest Martinsville race I have seen they in a long time. They also had snow the day before. That, that too. This race, I don't think that's going to be the case. It's a playoff I race. Don't I think, think this is going to be, to be snow. a lot wilder of a race. And if you're anybody inside the, the top eight, you're a little bit. Martinsville is the race you're worried about if you're worried about something in the round of eight, especially this later race. You're going to have guys that are you're looking for good runs at the end of the season, and it's so close quartered. Anything can happen at any time. Well, and you think back to a couple of the last fall races at Martinsville. Um, one of my favorite NASCAR moments of all time is when Matt Kenseth took it upon himself to wipe out Joey Logano. I think he, he did one for the greater good there, even though that Kyle Busch still won the championship that year. Um, but it gave Jeff Gordon his last win. That was an awesome moment. Last year, Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin get together. Well, more or less, Hamlin takes out Chase Elliott. Again, Kyle Busch ends up winning and taking advantage of that. But Martinsville is kind of – it's a crazy race because guys are trying to punch their well, ticket to the championship. Especially the, the, since the playoffs started and you get this fall race. The fall race is the last several years since this playoff format started has been the, the more wild race, the crazier one, the stuff where you have no idea what's going to happen. You end up having a lot of cautions for contact. And a guy like Clint Boyer, he's one that's really interesting with this race because he runs well at Martinsville, and he's a guy that can end up winning Sunday and punching his way into the round of four. And right now starting outside looking in, this is a race where I don't think the top three, the Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., this is the one round where those three might not have the best cars. You really got to maybe give the advantage to a Chase Elliott or a Clint Boyer. What's the over-under on how many drivers are mad at one another by the Three, we can put it at three. Yeah, I might, I, I might, but I might call that a wash. Let's say two and a half, and I'll take the over. Because I think there's going to be two or three different confrontations throughout the day. Um, typical Martinsville. Well, are there going to be? Here's the question: Is it going to be conf- confrontations between drivers, or are we going to have crews that that start something while the drivers really don't care about what's going on? Yeah, either or. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Uh, put you on the spot. Who's your pick this week? I'm going to go Clint Boyer. I, I think that this is the kind of race that he, he's going to be really quick at. He likes short tracks. He runs well at Martinsville. Uh, he's been in situations to win several Martinsville races and doesn't end up with the win. But I like Clint Boyer. I think Chase Elliott finished his second, and it makes the playoffs a lot more interesting going into those final two races. I'm going with Chase Elliott. Um, he, he started out his career at Martinsville not running well, 38th and 20th and 16th. 38th and 15, 20th and 12th and 16. Last year, the spring race, he finished third. The fall race, he finished 27th, but he, he led 123 laps and had that race won before him and Denny Hamlin got into it. And then he finished ninth. This team has found something late. I've said for the last couple of weeks, Chase Elliott is a legit championship contender. I think he does that, punches his ticket to Homestead. And then all of a sudden, Kevin Harvick and Martin Trix Jr. start sweating a little bit more. And, and real quick, go ahead and we'll pick the truck race as well. Do someone in the round of six win the race, or does someone yes. play spoiler? Who's your pick for the truck race? I'm going Noah Gregson. I think this is Noah Gregson's type of race um, where you can just hit anything in sight and get the win. So give me Noah Gregson. I think I'm going to go with Justin Haley. It's a little bit of a of, – it's not as crazy of a pick as it would have been three months ago, but I, I think just the way he's looked, he's been about – one of the most consistent guys on the racetrack for a, for a while now. I think Justin Haley, he stays out of trouble. He doesn't. He's not a guy that gets in a lot of, of bad situations. I think that's going to play well for him, and he ends up 
winning the truck race on Saturday. None of our picks have been right anyways, so what's the matter? So it, it means Clint Boyer, Chase Elliott, Justin Haley, and Noah Gregson are definitely not winning this week. We've eliminated four for everyone else. And like, real quick, we have about a minute left. We do want to we, – we don't talk about the ARCA series a whole lot, but their season did end at Kansas Speedway on Friday, and it was Sheldon Creed that ended up with the win, ended up with the championship, and really for about halfway on from the ARCA season, it's been all about Sheldon Creed. Yeah, he, um, he put a whooping on the field this year. Uh, really no other way to put it. Ends up winning the ARCA title by 460 points over second place Zane Smith. 20 starts, 4 wins, 16 top 5s, 18 top 10s. Um, just He led 500 laps on the season. He picks up the championship. Zane Smith second, Riley Herps third, Chase Purdy fourth, Travis Braden in fifth. Zane Smith also won four races, just not as consistent this year. But Sheldon Creed is your 2018 ARCA Series champion. And see what he does going forward. Real quick, do you think we end up with any of those guys like a Sheldon Creed or Zane Smith? Do we think do you think we see any of them in a in a truck next year? I think maybe part time. Um, didn't Creed run some stuff earlier? He's ran a couple Xfinity Series races, and he ran a couple last year with John Davis. Um, he I believe he ran at Eldora, if I remember correctly, in the truck series. He did with he's ran Eldora the last couple of years. I think maybe we could see a part time thing. I think Zane Smith has maybe ran a couple of truck races, truck as races well. as well. So maybe one of those guys, and of course they're going to kind of, in a couple of years, we're going to see the Arca series kind of change a little bit. Yeah, because NASCAR has actually bought them, so next year will be the final year really under the Arca banner. Uh, I think Zane Smith, it would, we wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe be tabbed as the guy to replace Noah Gragson in that, mm-hmm. that car because he, he's kind of the, the Kyle Busch type driver. He, he's really fast, but maybe not as consistent as others. That seems to be the Kyle Busch kind of driver. We'll see what happens as... Uh, we get to the silly season and where the, these younger guys replace guys that move up. Is, is that's a lot of times what happens. But that's all the time we have here on the left turn. Thanks, everybody, for listening here on X106. We'll be back again next week from 2 to 3 to talk about what happened at Martinsville.